Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. If you are still coming in, come on in. Make yourself at home. We're going to be together for a few minutes this morning. I am Dr. LaKendra Hardware, and I'm the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at Goshen College. Every time I say that, I get a sense of joy, but also a sense of just remembering the responsibility of helping steward this space, and I will always be grateful for that opportunity. I will be joined this morning by our DEI coordinator, Courtney Ropp, and we will share this presentation. We'll also join by our interpreters, so we thank them for their work as well. On this September 15th, we'd also like to acknowledge and celebrate the beginning of National Hispanic Heritage Month. So let us just remember that as we go into the month. Amen. Let's go ahead and celebrate. Amen. Amen. There'll be more things this month, but what a great, great day to start. The very first DEI presents. Thank you to Dr. Suzanne East and to also our former campus pastor, Pastor Joanne Gallardo, as we sat together in the spring to think about what the schedule would look like. What we're doing is being intentional about DEI work across the institution. And this was a wonderful way to incorporate that so that everyone is hearing some of the same things. And so every month you will be joined with a, you will be hosting, we will be hosting DEI Presents and we'll have a different focus. So for this month, our focus is the LAXA framework and bias matters. This is our session flow for today. We'll talk a little bit about who we serve and what we do. We'll unpack what the, the LAXA framework means and what it is. We'll talk about various ways that we can apply it. Then we'll hear a little bit about intergroup dialogue. You will hear me use acronyms a lot. IGD, BMRT, um, and many, many other, REJN. So we are about acronyms and we want you to know what those things are. We'll talk about IGD, we'll have some dates this semester, and then we will spend a bit of time at the end talking about our bias matters policy. This is really important information. Why is this important? Because what we do is really about fostering inclusion, belonging, but also interrupting practices and behaviors that make a community unsafe for people. And that's where we're gonna end on, not as a way to admonish us, but just as a way to challenge us to step into this work and to be more aware of what we're doing, what we're saying, and how we are present with others. All right? So if you were with me, go ahead and nod at me. That works, all right. So who does the Office of DEI serve? Well, the Office of DEI is housed within Student Life. All right, so physically we are under the umbrella of Student Life, but we have reach across the institution. We work with faculty, we work with staff, we work with other uh, entities on campus. We serve all students. Who does the Office of DEI serve? So this time you're gonna say me. Who does the Office of DEI serve? Me. That works. We also work with faculty and staff as well. But we really want you to know that because oftentimes people will see DEI and if they are a person that doesn't belong to a minoritized identity, they will think this isn't for me. 
but we are for everyone. And so we want to know how your experience at GC is going. We also provide additional resources and support for our minoritized identity groups. And so we're going to say a little bit about who those are in the next slide, but that also includes our commuter students and our first generation students. probably should look at this one since that one's a tiny bit smaller than I anticipated. And, I, and we created the slide. So again, with additional resourcing, this year for the very first time, we are focusing within DEI on within our office. Now we've always had different support pieces at the institution for both first generation and commuter students. But as we are thinking about, if we are really talking about fostering inclusion and belonging, then those are two populations that we really want to also um, minister to, I'm using my language as a pastor, but that we want to provide services for. And so also within that, we have our intercultural student groups. So there are five of them, Advocates, ASA or Asian Student Association, Black Student Union or BSU, International Student Club or ISC, and Latino Student Union, LSU. All of the advisors are listed and you will hear more for them, from them throughout the year. So now you get to help me. Okay, just seeing who we have here. This is for our first year students and our transfer students. This is not new information to you. So, we would like a student to stand up and say one word, just one word, when I point to you, if you know this answer. What does LAXA stand for? What does the L of LAXA stand for? Is there a first year or transfer student who knows and is brave enough to stand before your college and get a prize? I mean, and, and give the answer. Do we have prizes, Courtney? We, do, we have some goodie bags. Mmm. Stakes just got raised a little bit. No one knows what the L stands for. That's a good one, but not this one. But I thank you. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I like you. Courtney, do we have more than the five? Gifts with us, come see me. I still have one for you. Don't give me any wrong answers just to get a gift now. <laughs> what does the L stand for? Yes, ma'am. No. You all weren't listening to my presentation during launch week? All right. Faculty or staff, I'm coming to you. Someone give me what the L is for. But you got to stand up and say it. I'm firing everyone. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Courtney, go ahead and take that to, to we, maybe we need to in, incentivize folks here. We want to just give you a little, little goodie bag, a little something. Uh-huh. Okay. Now we have four more letters or sets of letters. This is going to move a little quicker. The A. Can I get a first year student, I'm coming back to you, or a transfer student that paid attention and heard and remembered 
this L-A-K-S-A-A. Anyone? One, two, three. Oh, you all are so sad this morning. You're making me sad. All right, who knows it? Anyone? It's open to anyone. Stand and give it to me. Yes. That's a good one, too. But again, not just this one. Yes. Thank you, awareness. Yes. So we have listening, we have awareness. Let's, let's, let's keep the conversation down to me, amen, and the person that's going to give an answer. Folks, folks, let's, let's be respectful. Okay, we wanted to do this to kind of break up some of the, the information, but we also want to make sure folks are getting this. Does anyone know what the K stands for? It is a good one, again. I'm probably going to get a shirt that just says, it's a good one. What is it? Knowledge, Knowledge indeed. Knowledge indeed. <laughs> so we've got listening. What's the second one? What's the third one? All right. What is the S of Laxa? Not, not this time, it's not. One person, yes. No. Yes. No, it's not safety. Yes. No. No. Hold on for a sec. Everybody, if you could just like stop the side conversation, because some of these answers are being given before others are saying them, and we're not able to hear. So the S of LAXA stands for? No. They really weren't listening, um, orientation folks. No. We're just, we're just guessing. Listen to this. Listen to, listen to the framework. Listening, awareness. Knowledge. What does the S stand for? Yes. No. No, okay. No. No. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come. No, 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 just stop. Yes. It stands for skills. Now the challenge will be the challenge will be for us to remember all the right answers because some of these other answers are also very good answers. Listening, awareness, knowledge, skills, and these are two together. We say something and something. If you are listening in community, you are growing more aware, so you're building your awareness. You are gaining more knowledge and skills so that you can do this move to yes that is close and we will give you a bag for that Courtney go ahead and grab so if we can go to our next uh, Dr. Regina can you just advance that one all right so this is our framework listening awareness 
knowledge, skills, action, and advocacy. That is what we do here at Goshen College to help build a better community for each and every one of us. When we are listening, and Courtney, you can go to our next slide, we are gathering knowledge and data, experiences, insights. It's when I go to a BSU meeting or host a BSU meeting. It's when I have a conversation with a commuter student. It's when I'm talking to an international student. It's when I'm talking to a, a Muslim or Jewish student. It's when I'm talking to a student who doesn't identify with the faith experience. It's when I'm listening in a listening session and someone talks about the experiences that they're having in class. It's when someone was saying that they walked through a space on campus and this is kind of what they saw. This is how we are gathering the data. It increases what we know we have to address, how we are present, how we are hitting the mark and meeting needs and meeting support and service and all those wonderful words that you all gave. Listening, awareness is growing, but not only about others, also about myself, how I understand my own values, how I understand my beliefs, how I understand how what I do impacts not only myself, but others as well. When we, gain, when we gain this awareness, then we want to get a better understanding of various aspects of diversity. So race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, religion, nationality, physical ability. And this is, a, this is one too, that I, this was what I learned my first summer in this position, veteran status. In a session that Student Life did, with a group of students over the summer, we had a student here who was a veteran and talked about how being a veteran here did not feel good, how students would say things to them because of theology and ideology that didn't honor who they were and what they did, right? So we build our knowledge, we teach some skills, and hopefully we move to action and advocacy so that there's institutional change. That it's not just happening when D the office of DEI does something or the committee on DEI does something or Dr. Regina in her Peace, Justice and Conflict Studies class teaches something, but it's when each and every one of us are doing our part to continue making Goshen the Goshen that God desires us to be and that we say we are. So this is our framework. We'll be applying this, and now Courtney will share some more information with you that takes you a little bit deeper. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Lakendra. I hope I can be as fun as she was up here. Like she said, my name is Courtney Rupp. I am the DEI coordinator here at Goshen College. Um, so while there are many components of my job, um, one of the things that I'm most excited to bring to campus this year, along with Dr. Lakendra and the Committee on DEI, is intergroup dialogue. Um, and so I'm gonna go over a little bit about what intergroup dialogue is, what it looks like, how it's structured, and how you can get involved in it. So it was formatted to take place in small groups of about 10 to 14 people because it requires forming connections and creating space for one another to engage and to share. It's led by two trained co-facilitators. It's structured around our social identities such as race and ethnicity, gender and sex, religion and our beliefs, 
or physical ability or even veteran status, as Dr. Kendra mentioned. We're going to be offering two different modules um, this fall. There's a five-week experience that will take place on Thursdays, and then there will be a weekend experience that is offered. So there's attention given to both the content and the process. It's about both the topics covered around justice and identity, and also how the work happens within the group. It really serves to broaden our understanding of one another and our own experiences and our own identities and how that impacts um, one another and how we relate to one another and our power and our privilege, um, our oppression, those types of things. So IGD is guided by four different stages. You all can see it, it's very small on my screen, but um, so the first stage is getting to know each other, building a con container for relationship. When we can relate to each other as human beings, where we can see each other, we're able to hold a lot more because we understand one another. The second stage is exploring our identities and commonalities as well as inequalities. So this is around our most salient identities. Um, we're not just one identity, but we're many identities. So for me, I'm a white, Christian, able-bodied woman, but that looks very different for other people, but that greatly informs my experience of the world and my perceptions of the world um, and the different privileges I'm af afforded or in the different oppressions I'm also come in contact with. The third step is engaging in controversial issues or what we call our hot topic session. These are often decided within the group of things that we want to tackle. Um, so I just took part in one and we talked about cancel culture and different different ideas around what that looks like. Is it actually holding people accountable? Is it, you know, is it damaging? Um, so we'll, we'll break that down. So a lot of disagreement often happens here, and that's good. It helps broaden our understanding, and it requires us to think critically. The fourth step is building alliances. This is able to happen because of the previous steps we begin to see each other and think about how we can work together. So this is how these things differ, differ, discussion, debate, and dialogue. And I am not going to go over all of them, but I just wanted to highlight what it looks like a little bit. Um, first of all, dialogue works to build relationships. It honors silence as opposed to avoiding it or using it to gain the upper hand, like in debate. And it helps us to reevaluate and acknowledge our assumptions and biases. It's really about being authentic and honest about who we are and so we can engage with one another. So here are our fall 2021 intergroup dialogue dates. Um, the first will be a five-week module that will happen Thursdays, um, five weeks in a row from 12 to 12.50. 12 um, and it will run October 7th through November the 4th. And then there will also be offering a weekend experience. So Friday and Saturday, um, this is one weekend and you have to be able to be at both parts of these. Um, 6 to 9 p.m. on Friday and 10 to 2 on Saturday. Um, and it will be October 22nd and 23rd. Another highlight of my work um, is getting to work with the Regarding Justice Network and helping to facilitate those groups along with Dr. Lakendra. We have three fantastic leaders. Uh, Natalie and Kiprop have served with REJN, or the Regarding Justice Network, for what's going on four years. Is that right, Natalie? Three, three years? Three, three to four. Um, they've been trained in this work um, 
through both our work with them at the college, but also they attended a training at the University of Amherst um, and really learned to build these skills. So this year we're also excited to welcome Anastasia Stevens um, to the team and really excited about what she brings. Yeah. <laughs> So what is REJN? Um, I don't think I can say it better than what this slide does, so I'm just gonna read it for you. Uh, REJN, or the Regarding Justice Network, is a group of peer justice educators operating in the Office of DEI. Our peer justice educator, educators are student leaders who provide presence, programming, and education. As we look at and are advocate, advocates for justice on campus, in our community, and in the wider world. REGN brings awareness to justice issues on campus. We discuss what's happening in the wider world, and the team works to provide education and resources around issues of justice. They advocate for and create just living and learning spaces. They work to understand and unpack the role bias plays in our daily lives, and they teach others how to identify social injustice and address it in different situations. So they're doing excellent work. Um, their work across campus, um, we meet weekly. Um, our leaders um, will be leading a session in the ICC course on engaging our own identities and understanding what bias is and how it shows up. Um, I think it's important to note that we all have bias. Um, it is inherent in us, it is how we survive, um, but it's really about how, what that awareness does and the impact that that has on other people. And the, that allows for shifts in the relationships to occur. So they really help to bring awareness of that. Um, the group has also led breakout sessions for MLK Day, and they will also work to help facilitate our intergroup dialogues. So if you want to get involved, um, we will be taking applications from students who have participated in the intergroup dialogues this fall. Um, you can watch the communicator for when registration opens. Again, there's a five-week module that happens each Thursday, and we would love you to be present for each of those Thursdays because that will be the way that you get the most out of it. Um, and then there's a weekend module um, Friday and Saturday. So I'm gonna hand it back to Dr. LaKendra. Thank you, Courtney. Let's give our DEI coordinator just another sense of encouragement, right? So, so Courtney joined us in this work, and I think this is important to say. Courtney joined us in this work wanting to make sure that this was work that she could do, right? As, and I'm gonna use this, as a white woman, can I do this work? Will people see, will people know that I am invested in, and engaged? And one thing I share with her is, this is everyone's work. It shouldn't have to be, and it doesn't need to be, a person of color doing the work or a person around a particular identity that's minoritized doing the work, right? I said, when students and faculty and staff see that you care and are passionate and committed to advancing this issue, you'll get the traction that you need. So I really honor and celebrate her. This was her first time really, this is not a low-key uh, thing to do, to stand before the college and talk about these things, but it's also a really great opportunity. IGD, we've been talking about steadheartedly since the spring of 2019. 
And so we are really excited about rolling it out. I hope you notice there are only 10 to 14 spots in the five week and 10 to 14 spots in the weekend. And so we want you to apply when you see it because everyone won't be able to go through this first round, but it is going to be a phenomenal opportunity for listening, awareness, knowledge, skills, and then ultimately action and advocacy. So I'm here to tell you a story. Sorry, interpreter, sorry, Megan. This was not in the slide. Recently, I saw on Facebook a mother's post about her six-year-old daughter. Beautiful little black girl with beautiful braids and beads, beautiful, beautifully adorned for the first day of school. She picks her daughter up, and her daughter is brought to the car by her teacher, sobbing uncontrollably. The teacher apologizes to the mother and says she can't get her to tell her what happened. And the mother mothers her child, scoops her up. What's wrong? Baby can't stop crying for 45 minutes. Even after going through their favorite drive-through, getting her her favorite treats, the child is still sobbing uncontrollably. When she finally stops crying long enough, she shares with her that a little white girl at school pulled her hair, was kicking her, pick, doing something else. And that in and of itself was, was problematic. But it, this part is the part that the mother zoned in on. The whole time she was doing it, she was close enough to whisper damaging things in her ear. You're ugly because you're black. Your skin is dark. You don't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the mother said, what does a six-year-old know about this? Bias, discrimination, harassment, hatred. It doesn't just happen by accident. It's stewarded. It is fed. It is fueled. And unfortunately, that behavior didn't stop or start with a six-year-old. Bias exists. So what is bias? Bias is a broad category of behaviors, right? So bias in and of itself, we, we are the bias matters response team. We deal with all matters of identity-based bias. It's a broad category, and it also contains discrimination and harassment. This is some information that we found this summer as we were researching how to update our policy and give you more information. It is very close and there are some distinct differences. And so what we address is bias in general, and then we look at how it shows up in various ways. So it may show up in the form of discrimination, adver adverse treatment of an individual based on their protected characteristic, regardless of their merit. The person is good enough, is more qualified, but because they are XYZ, they don't get the job. They don't get let into the club. They don't make the team. Discrimination, right? Harassment is unwelcome verbal or physical behavior that is directed at a person based on a protected class. That young six-year-old was harassing that young six-year-old. 
And again, it's not about a white person just harassing the black person in this. I'm using that just to show the characteristics, but it could have been any aspect. A student that is transgender at six goes to school, or a student who presents as a girl but identifies as a boy, or non-binary, and the six-year-old peer is saying things. So it, it's, it's all about attacking someone based on who they are, referring to someone as a piece of food because of their ethnicity or culture. It's not just a joke, guys. It's not funny, and it is something that we hold you accountable for. I wish that last one were just an example. So some of these acts of bias, discrimination, and harassment, and I'm not gonna read this to you, we are in the process again of updating our policy, and so this may be something that makes its way into our final work. But this was me trying to put together a slide that helps you see the different pieces. So maybe graffiti on a sidewalk that targets two protected classes or identities. Maybe it's a slur, a joke. I was wounded to the core of who I am as a person, but also who I am and what I do. When talking to students a couple years ago and learning that certain racial epithets are tossed around quite frequently at this prestigious institution. We are better than that. We are better than that. So jokes, slurs, negative comments about a person based on who they are. Singling out, targeting an individual for different or less favorable treating, treatment. And then of course, moving over to harassment. It also applies to electronic communications. Anonymous spaces, text messaging, internet use, things that would violate the policy on bias-related incidents. So our next slide just kind of recaps it for us. What are you saying, Dr. LaKendra? I'm saying that bias-related discrimination and harassment is unacceptable. And it is prohibited as part of our community standards and also as part of our policy on bias-related incidents. This isn't just for folks that identify as a student, faculty, or staff. This is for our visitors. This is for our vendors. This is for guests. Right, contractors, this is our policy. Why is it there? Because we wanna make sure that Goshen College is a safe place. I would love to tell you that I haven't heard this recently, but as recent as last night, I heard folks talking about what it meant, what it felt like to be who they are at this institution and in other spaces when they don't look like or identify as the rest of the people. People, had very strong feelings. It impacted how they encountered the space. It also impacted what they thought of who we were and who the spaces are. So race, color, ethnicity or ancestry, national origin, sex, gender identity and or expression, religion, creed, physical, mental disability, age, 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 right? We don't always think about that. Citizenship status and genetic information. Those are all typically known as protected classes. And so any of these things would fall under uh, identity-based bias. And this would include uh, inappropriate and biased comments, 
Well, you know, you guys run faster. You, you know, you guys are, and fill in the blank with whatever the poor statement is. Poor meaning we should not have said it. It is not appropriate, right? Slurs, jokes, pictures, objects. In a previous institution, the students had to put together a floor community agreement. And they put this on the wall in the residential space that people walk through. Floor of 30, 33, 34 folks. And on the wall was this word that they said, anytime we're in trouble, like that's the word that says like, stop playing, we gotta get you back to the dorm if they're out and stuff's going awry. And this word was a slur. And folks said, well, they don't use it now. Other folks said they didn't know what it meant, but someone who chose that word knew what it meant. And it stood there posted on a wall. Definitely harassment, definitely bias related. So what do we do? We have a beautiful team, a bias matters response team. And these are our members. This was six of us last year plus myself. Um, we have just gained seven new folks to our team. So we are really excited about that. We put a call out and said, if you were called to help advocate for justice on our campus and help us make Goshen College better. We got an astounding response and I'm so honored to journey with our veteran BMRT members, Kelsey, David, and Regina, or that's Dr. David, Dr. Regina, and Kelsey. But we also have joining us this year, Amy Budd, Jul Julia Danner, Trisha Handrich, Kathy Nofziger, Chris Palega, who is not pictured there, but is one of our campus safety officers. If you're around on the weekends, you will see her. Courtney Ropp and Kevin Schultz. So let us know who is sitting at the table helping us do this work. Let's just go ahead and celebrate them in advance <laughs> of the work. <clears throat> so in these last few minutes, and I'm gonna, we are gonna get out on time, it's a lot of information, but it's also really important information. We've already gotten our first report this year. Mm-hmm, got all your attention, don't I? <laughs> Some people are like, what? Yeah, it's happening already, folks. All right, so what happens when a report is filed? Who gets it? If it involves students, only students, it comes to me, to BMRT specifically. So as the director of DEI, I get the report and we process it solely through the BMRT system. If it involves a student and an employee, at any point, if the employee sees it, reports it, if the employee is the complainant themselves or the intended, the impacted uh, individual, if the employee is the respondent. So there are two, some, some terms, and we'll, you'll learn more about those. We're gonna update the website with definitions, right? So anytime an employee is involved, it goes to me as BMRT and also HR. At that point, HR is the primary or lead investigator and then BMRT accompanies HR as BMRT knowledge and also as um, knowledge about the case, but also about the process. So when I report, what happens? Well, the report is shared with the team. And so I want you to pay attention to this. The left side of the, the, the uh, chart or table says, you're asked a question at the beginning of the form. 
Are you following this for yourself or for someone else? You say whichever way it goes, myself or someone else. The next question is, do you want your information or does the person want their information to remain anonymous? If you say yes to that question, it just gives you the opportunity to fill in the details. That will come to me, and because you've asked for it to remain anonymous, BMRT looks at that, we discuss it, and generally, unless it is something that is critically important or imminent, we will take it as informational, right? But should we start to see that Dr. LaKendra XYZ or Bob Smith or Sam Smith or whomever is named in this, T. Smith, right? So let's make it non-binary. So then it's, it's not saying men do it or women do it or this person does it, right? If we start to see now that T. Smith has a pattern of behavior and B. B. Jones reported them, but they wanted it to remain anonymous, reporting on behalf of someone else. An anonymous Scott, last name Scott over here, anonymous reports. So now we know, okay, we have a pattern of behavior that is starting to show up. BMRT would take the information and could investigate any and all of those connected cases, all right? If you file a report for yourself, or someone else and you say, no, I do not want this to remain anonymous, the next question you will get is, do you want an investigation? As you answer to that question, then that gives us our work that we have to do. Let's say an investigation is initiated. This information is shared with BMRT. An investigation team from the pictures that you saw is put together, and that is an, a primary investigator and a recorder. And they take and investigate the team. They are fact-finding, they're talking to the person who filed it, the complainant, they're also talking to any witnesses named. They're talking to the respondent, B. Smith, this is what happened, can you give us your details of this, your account of this situation? Once that's done, they compile a summary of it and they tell the rest of BMRT, the report is finalized. And then we convene as BMRT. The rest of the team, minus myself as moderator or facilitator or convener of BMRT, and minus the investigation team, deliberates on the determination and the outcome. Go ahead to the next slide for us, Courtney. Determination can be substantiated, unsubstantiated, or inconclusive. Substantiated says we did find that bias-related harassment, discrimination, or other has occurred. Yes, it did happen. We have evidence. This is what we see. And then these are some of the outcomes that might come out of it. This is not a complete list. These are some examples, and we are working on having some established outcomes. But these are very real consequences. We take each case currently independently and we don't have a prescribed list of this person did this, X, Y, Z is the outcome. We sit down, we think about the case, we think about the impact, we think about how the person was either honest or dishonest with us. Folks get into these investigations and hold fast to know it didn't happen even when there is evidence. That can impact the outcome. And so it might be a verbal or written reprimand and or warning monitoring or restriction of campus access benefits or service. 
These are the extras, the privileges, so to speak. Not your right to education, because we can't interrupt that, but what we can do is limit and protect the community and also hold you accountable for actions. Mandatory counseling and or training, suspension, separation from the college, might be reflection and a presentation, might be some community engagement. This is real stuff, folks, and we spend a lot of time, a lot of time sitting at the table, holding our heads, first of all, saddened that this is what we're seeing, but also wondering how to keep holding people accountable and making folks feel safe. So how do you report? Um, one thing I wanted, just didn't say the last slide, you don't have to go back to it, but there is an opportunity for appeal currently for students, and we're talking about what that could look like if the case involved faculty or staff. And so there's a 48-hour window from when you're notified that you would then be able to reach out to the Dean of Students, Dr. Hiberto Perez, Jr., and initiate a request for an appeal. The Dean, if there is new evidence or if there is a problem in the process, right, that's when an appeal, an appeal is not automatically granted, right? So you're not just disagreeing with the decision. I didn't like that they made me X, Y, Z. I don't wanna go do community service. I don't wanna, I, right, no, it's, this is what they said, but this is actually what happened and I have proof. Here is evidence, right? So you're supporting the case. Um, and then the dean would make a decision. That appeal decision is final. How do you report? Go to the website. Unfortunately, we were not able to change the link. Though it says racial misconduct, it will take you to the bias matters policy. So at one point, this was called racial misconduct. We changed it to be broader. In this last minute that I have, you will contact, you can contact either myself or Courtney Rock or any member of the Bias Matters response team. Don't start getting ready yet. Amen, hold on. We still together. Just stay still, because this could, this could be very important to all of us, right? So you can report it to any member, and then there's information on the website. Next slide says, if you have questions, concerns, suggestions, or conversation that you would like to have, please email us either directly or email DEI at Goshen College. A big thank you to Megan and to Samantha, to our ITS media folks, and to also Suzanne and the Chapel Convocation Committee for this opportunity to share this information with you. Go, do, and be well this week. Thank you.